It's time to get in the zone. The Fantasy Football Zone. Hey guys, where else would you rather be? Get involved with the show by following us on Twitter at DraftThatGuy. What a piece of that championship put it in here. This is the Fantasy Football Zone. Hello, this is PJ, Fantasy Football Zone Podcast. It is great to have you back with us. Again, you can always subscribe to us. You'll get all our draft preview shows coming up, including auction previews, the general draft as well, and a whole lot more, plus the season. And when we get into it, the weekly recaps and get you ready for that week's matchup. So again, love to have you back here, Fantasy Football Zone. You can follow us on Twitter at DraftThatGuy and interact with us as well. It's just a great, exciting season we have planned for you here. Trying to help you out with this edition in your Keeper League drafts, especially, too, if this is the first year you're doing a Keeper League, yeah, you got a big, important decision that's going to affect you for years to come, so we're going to try our best to help you out in this edition to uh, get you off to a great start in your Keeper League. To start things off, I want to pass along three tips. They've really helped me out in my Keeper Leagues the last 20-plus years, and I think some of them could help you out. Maybe they don't, but just going to pass this info on to you, see what you think about it. In the Keeper League, you know, you're, we're always thinking, right? Running back, running back, running back, running back. I say it's always best player available no matter what, all right? Obviously, first round pick, you're going to have those first six running backs. They're going to be off the board right there. If you're drafting later in the first round, don't go with the flow and pick the seventh, eighth, or ninth best running back. Get the number one or number two wide receiver. Heck, if, if you're farther down on the board and you have a snake pattern draft, you can get one or two of the best wide receivers in their category, and that value is going to be way better than maybe getting the seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth running back to pair up. So again, go always with best player available. I go with this as well further on in the draft as well. Even when I see positions, yeah, I got to fill that position up. But this guy has got great value. I mean, if I plug him in here, I'm going to have stacked wideouts or tight end position. Or if it is a running back, I'm going to have a stacked running back position. I find it, even though, yes, you got to fill positions, best player available helps you out. Plus, you can trade these guys later on in the season. If you have to improve a position, you're stacked. Injuries always happen as well. I've had that happen where the guy, I took three running backs right away out of the gate. People were like, what are you doing? Came down to championship weekend. I plugged in the running back I took as my third running back in the draft that they said I didn't need to take. He won me the championship that year. So again, best player available. Believe in it. My second point kind of ties in with the first point here because You have to anticipate the run. And what I mean by that is positions, they're going to start running off the board. Running backs right away. You know, the first six, seven, they're going to be off the board in the first round. Then after that, in the second round, later half of the second round, after most of the running backs, as we get into the teens of the running backs, wide receivers are going to start coming off the board. So anticipate the run, especially if you're targeting guys in these groups, especially wide receivers. If you want a top-notch wide receiver, jump ahead of the run and get him. Because in that way, you can slide a guy back down to you especially if you're looking for a running back in those mid-tier positions. You're thinking, man, why do I want to fall in the trap here of getting a running back when if I draft a wide receiver right now, that will bump an additional player back to me on the other half of the draft. So anticipate those runs as best you can, and that could help you out as well. Land some players that maybe you didn't think were going to be available because everyone else is going with the flow, trying to fill out the roster, but you're jumping ahead of the curve here, trying to draft a guy, and you're going to bump a couple options back to you because you jumped ahead of that curve. The third 
third and final tip I want to pass along is don't forget you want to win this year, all right? Sometimes we get caught up in keeper leagues. We got to draft the young guys so we can control them for years to come. And that affects our decision making, especially when it comes down later in the draft when we're going between a veteran guy and a younger, maybe a rookie receiver. And we're like, well, the veteran guy, he's not putting up the huge numbers. I think I'm going to have better luck with the rookie guy. Don't fall in that trap. Consistency will win you fantasy, all right? Even though a guy's not putting up the huge numbers, the Randy Moss or the Saquon Barkley numbers, remember, those are one-of-a-kind special seasons. They only happen once in a while. We can't always base our numbers off of those seasons, all right? Consistency will win you fantasy championships. Yes, all of us want to get the steal of the draft. There's no doubt about it. But again, you don't want to draft the guy that's going to be stealing money from you, all right? And you're going to not finish anywhere near the championship game. So again, consistency wins in fantasy and don't shy away from veteran players just because you want to control a guy for about 20 years. You are in the fantasy football zone. We are very excited to be teaming up with our friends over at rotowire.com this year and to help us with our draft previews, Jim Coventry, fantasy analyst for Rotowire, joins us. Jim, how are you doing today? Doing very well. Super excited for the preseason games to start and I'm even happier to be on the air with you and your audience right now. Yeah, I know. Preseason. We're excited about preseason, but we are because it's that time of year again. It is. It's in the air. Football. God, love it. So again, we are focusing on keepers in this edition, and well, we'll start off with the money position at running back, but some familiar themes this year have emerged already with holdouts in training camp, especially with Zeke Elliott and Melvin Gordon. Jim, what do we do in these positions? How do we treat these guys in the keeper league situations? Now, Zeke Elliott, it's very important to understand his situation. If he doesn't report by August 6th, he used, loses a year toward a crude free agency because he only has three years of service time. That's right. Gordon's in a different boat. Gordon can skip half the season and not have anything change for him. So Elliott has to be back by August 6th from a business standpoint. So I am not changing Elliott on my rankings at all. So Zeke, we're not sweating as much, but with Gordon, he doesn't really have the leverage you would think that would help him in this situation, especially with Eckler and Jackson in that backfield. And I agree with what you're saying. I think the bigger point here is unless a running back is an extreme high-level talent, they're very replaceable. And this is being proven year in, year out. Le'Veon Bell steps out. James Conner steps in. Similar production. Uh, We saw, like you just said with the Chargers, Eckler and Justin Jackson just fine. And so that is the thing they're dealing with. Where Elliott, they fall off a cliff because he is just – not a generational talent, but he is an amazing top, top level running back. All right, Jim, with keeper leagues, it's always about the running backs, just like every other draft it is, but especially the young ones. So is it Saquon Barkley or bust if you have the number one pick, or do you see it a little closer than that? So the first thing is age. And yes, Barkley is at the top of the list. You are correct because he's a sturdier player. And so he does project to be able to hold up better than some of the guys with a little more of a slight build. So, yeah, Barkley has to be at the top of the list. After him, I look at a player like Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb just comes in the league. Everybody's worried about Kareem Hunt, Mm -hmm. but Nick Chubb has 91st percentile speed, um, above average agility, and and he is 
a player who projects to be an outstanding running back and a lead type back at him for a long time as well. Personally, yeah, I'm on Nick Chubb. He's one of my keeper targets, but yeah, they go out and sign Hunt, and then you got Duke Johnson back there. He's always a PPR target. Don't know if he's going to be on the roster come the start of the season, but that Cleveland backfield, we're definitely going to have to watch throughout the year. Right, and and the thing with Kareem Hunt, I'm still wondering if he was a product of Andy Reid's system. A lot of running backs have gone in there that have not been elite talents, but have put up elite numbers. I don't think there's anything special about Kareem Hunt's game that if he goes into a different situation, I don't think he's that same back, and I think that gets fleshed out pretty quickly. Um, I think overall Chubb's a much better player. I want to move over to the Saints' backfield. Obviously, it's going to be Alvin Kamara you take there, but they did sign Latavius Murray in the offseason. We did see this play out a little bit last year when Mark Ingram missed some games. Kamara was the workhorse in that backfield. Then Ingram came back, started taking away some touches from Kamara. Do you think the same thing's going to happen again this year? Murray, from an analytics and metric standpoint, he is a significantly better athlete than Mark Ingram was. Mm -hmm. And so coming into this lineup, I assume that Murray's going to take at least the role that Ingram had a couple years ago when Ingram was really you know bringing home the bacon for them. So they do want to limit Kamara's touches for the reasons you said. They need to keep him fresh. They need to keep him explosive. The last thing you want is an explosive guy to be beat up. Jim Coventry, fantasy analyst for Rotowire, joining us again. Todd Gurley, do we trust him in keeper leagues this year? No, and this arthritis in his knee, which means that he's not getting better over the long term. It'll continue to go downward. So as of right now, the latest that I heard is they plan on getting him in for about 65% of the snaps with Darrell Henderson and Malcolm Brown mixing in for the rest of that. Where Gurley is being drafted by people, I can't take him there. I, I, fifth, or, fifth or sixth round, but he's mm-hmm. gone in the second. So somebody will take him. And so, therefore, he's off the board for me. If somebody currently has him in a keeper league, you really need to look at your options because if he's only getting 65% of the work, he was used to getting close to 90. That's a massive drop. And I'm staying on the injured guys that are that can be in the top 10 conversation, but there's you know those injury issues might give you the big question mark. Dalvin Cook of the Vikings, I'll tell you what, he has burned me so many times here the last couple of years. I, I, I know they got the new line. But until he can prove he can stay healthy, I, I can't touch him. And it's a smart move to make. I mean, there are enough running backs at a similar point in the draft that you can take with similar confidence. And so I think having that understanding that he's been hurt, yeah, why take the risk that early in a draft? I do believe in minimizing risk in those first four rounds mm-hmm. as much as possible. So, yes, I'd go with it. Even though Kerry on Johnson got hurt a little bit down the stretch, a guy similar in value there, Aaron Jones. Um, he has with issues as well, but still, I think a little safer than Cook. And James Conner as well, too. Uh, you know, he got hurt late last season. He was showing, you know, obviously he showed enough for the Steelers that, yeah, we don't need Le'Veon Bell. But uh, what do you think this year, uh, a full year now, he's going to have under his belt with no one kind of you know, trying to take the reins from him. I am very concerned that Jalen Samuels does take a lot of that job. Okay. These are a couple of numbers. I don't want to just drive people crazy. James Conner has 63rd percentile speed, 18th percentile agility, which means he has no agility. Yep. Whereas Jalen Samuels has 83rd percentile speed and 72nd percentile agility. He is a significantly better athlete. And when he got on the field late last season, he was consistently productive. I don't see any way that they are going 
to, with a good conscience, use Connor as a full feature back. He will still be in the mix, but I don't know how Samuels doesn't take at least 40% of that work this year. Therefore, I can't draft Connor where he's going, like in the first round, because I don't think he's even going to return third-round value this year. Another guy I want to talk about, Christian McCaffrey. Huge season last year. Does he continue that in Carolina this year? So anybody who drafts him, great. you, you got to love the guy, what he's done in the two years in the league. You can't say much about it. But yep. here's my, my thought. Last year, Ron Rivera made it a point to say McCaffrey was going to get the ball as much as he could handle, and he followed through on that. This season, in a couple of different off-season interviews, Rivera said he wants to find a way to scale back McCaffrey's oh. work. I think he realizes the guy's only about 200 pounds. Yep. He's on the small side for a running back, and he doesn't just get him out in space. He runs that dude up the middle. He runs him at the goal line where the big collisions are. And I think he has to realize he's going to flame this guy out. Mm-hmm. And so that's my concern. Now, he's still definitely a top five guy. There's no question. But I don't know that he gets that insane workload he had last year. So I might, again, move him a little closer to the top five. But he's going in the top three picks. So that's why I won't roster him. But you can't go wrong for taking him. Another guy I want to ask you about now, he's not quite going to get you the PPR points like McCaffrey will, but Joe Mixon of the Bengals. Do you think his stock goes up now because of the A.J. Green injury and they might have to run that offense a little bit more through him now? Yes, Joe Mixon is an outstanding player. Now, they did lose two of their, their two left offense linemen. Oh, Will Williams, the rookies out for the season, and um, they had their guard retired. So and it was like out of the clear blue. They weren't expecting it. Mm-hmm. So they they have a little bit of an issue on their own. They had been improving it, and it's still a decent line. Um, and I still like Mixon, but I just want to make sure the listeners understand they they do have take they have taken a hit on their offensive line. But um, but Mixon will be involved as both a runner and a receiver, and, and he is an elite type player. So I don't have any issue with drafting him in the first round of a draft and kind of banking on him. The Kansas City backfield situation, what do you think of it? You got Damian Williams finished strong, but you got Carlos Hyde lurking back there. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so here's another thing. that Damian Williams had a suspension his last year in college, and it caused him to drop um, in terms of his draft stock. This is a guy that would have probably been a day-two pick had he not had that suspension. Uh, back to the speed, he's got 95th percentile speed. Um, his burst, meaning his explosion, is at 63rd percentile. He is a guy with that speed that fits what Andy Reid wants to do extremely well. Carlos Hyde is much stiffer, much slower. He's not really that classic fit for what Andy Reid needs in that offense. So I think Williams, who's going in the second round, I think he's really going to be a first-round type guy. I know he has a hamstring right now. Mm-hmm. They expect that to be short-term. But, yeah, Damian Williams, he's a perfect fit for that offense. Now, a lot of these guys we've already talked about, they're going to be off your board right away, especially in these keeper leagues because you're going to try to gobble them up and keep them for years and years and years. But who are some of the guys, mid-round backs, that, yeah, maybe they're not keeper potential, but they're definitely going to help you win this year because that's what people lose sight sometimes with these keeper leagues is, yeah, it's good to have the future in hand, but you you also want to win this year. So who are some of those guys that could help their lineup this year? I think for a a couple of years, Mark Ingram is not a bad choice over in Baltimore. They have a running quarterback in Lamar Jackson. And we've seen over the years when you have that mobile quarterback, if you have a competent running back next to him, um, the linebackers play quite a bit differently. And so 
it would not be a surprise if Ingram, even though he's about getting close to 30 years old, he has a couple of years in that system where he could shine. So that's a real nice mid-round pick for you there. This is a dart throw. Jared McKinnon. Okay, yeah. Uh, now, Shanahan made him his guy last offseason, and he's one of these um, athletic marvel-type players. So he's as fast and as agile as any player in the league. He's at the upper tier, in that, but he's never had much of the NFL level. But Shanahan had a plan for him. And I know everybody's talking about Tevin Coleman. I think he was an insurance policy. And, and I know Matt Breida played well. But I think that is the apple of Kyle Shanahan's eye. And you can get him very late in the draft, and I think it's a great dart throw. Now, what about the Hurd situation? Because I keep on seeing, I believe Jalen Hurd, he tries to keep on mixing in there. Anything can happen in this camp. But I think that the speed that Shanahan wants to use, he doesn't have any other back that has that speed. So I think that is where our chip has. I mean, our chip for a, a later round pick would have to go. But I don't see any... There's too much in that mix right now for a fourth guy to emerge. And while we continue to talk about the running backs here, what about those kind of committee situations that we have up in Seattle, Washington, as well as Tampa Bay and Philadelphia? How do you see some of these situations playing out? Now, the thing I like about Seattle's situation is they go in with the philosophy. They want to run the football, shorten the game. They realize their defense is starting to slip. So last year they were getting a ton of carries out of their backfield. Mike Davis was in that mix. Well, with him gone, I really believe both Carson and Penny should both come somewhere near the 18 to 20 touch range each. That's how much they want those guys to touch the ball. So I think you can get value both. Now, in terms of a keeper, I I prefer to go with the Rashad Penny route. He had the injury in the preseason, got a slow start, but he's one of those guys blazing speed, absolutely dominated at the college level. So I think Rashad Penny would be a guy, and should Carson have, and he's a pretty physical runner. Mm-hmm. Should he get dinged up at all? Penny could be a league winner for you this year. Love the league winner tip there. Jim Coventry with us. Again, the fantasy analyst at RotoWire joining us, Fantasy Football Zone. Again, previewing your Keeper League draft. Wide receivers are going to switch on over to you. got four guys that could potentially be number one picks, and justifiably so. So who do you pick in this between DeAndre Hopkins, Julio Jones, Devontae Adams, as well as Odell Beckham Jr.? Who are you taking, Jim? Yeah, people have been um, both sides hot and cold with me on this one. I think Odell Beckham, now that he is in a real situation, a real NFL offense, I believe that he has a Randy Moss New England type of season in him. Okay. He's a transcendent and generational talent. There's no other player as talented in that position as Odell Beckham. And if he's happy, he's got big He's my first keeper. He is still young. And I think he, he could go crazy for a number of years there. Then after that, who, who do you go? Because he, obviously, you know, the running backs, there's going to be a run on him. Can you really go wrong with the rest, with Hopkins and Adams, with your keeper? Or I guess Julio, too. I, I know with Julio, the age starts to creep in there. But, I mean, there's still pretty good options there. Hey, so you're right. DeAndre and Devontae Adams, you can't really have any qualms with them. Their target share, even though they're bringing new guys in and they'll probably lose some target share, they're both established and solid enough that they will give you consistent floor each week so they're great keepers instead of julio jones i am concerned about the age and the ongoing even though he doesn't miss much time the ongoing foot issues i'd like to move michael thomas into that spot because he has proven even though he's had drew Brees, he gets open so easily that i think whoever the quarterback there is in the keeper situation and maybe in a year or two i think he's a guy young enough 
and I'm just super dominant. So I put him in that tier. Up next, the guys that could be benefiting each other, even though uh, I think they hate each other now. Uh, Juju and Antonio Brown. Who's going to have the better season between these two? Who do you think? I have to go with Juju. And part of the thinking is, I believe that Antonio is obviously a great player. I think Ben did a lot of his career numbers, what they were. He always is one of the fun the ball to whoever he had confidence. With him gone... I think Juju's just – he can't get many more targets than he had last year. He'll be more active in the red zone. And so I think Juju's going to get all the work he can handle. Whereas Brown moving over to a Rivers team where I don't have a lot of confidence in their car, I'd rather hitch my wagon to Ben Derek Carr. Your thoughts now on the Vikings receiver situation. You got Adam Thielen, PPR monster, but you got Stefan Diggs, the big play guy. Who should you take over one or the other? I'm actually trying to avoid both of those guys for <laughs> other players that are similarly drafted. And here's why. The middle of the season last year, the Vikings fired their offensive coordinator, John Filippo. The reason that they fired him, from what I understood, was that Mike Zimmer wanted to run, 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 run. That's all he wanted wow. to do. And if we look at our numbers in the second half of the season, all of a sudden, Thielen had those nine straight 100-yard games, all of a sudden, he wasn't a factor down the stretch. They saw his numbers decrease. They're wanting to be so run-heavy that I think we're not getting those players. We're paying the price for Thielen and Diggs of their first half production last year and the previous year. I don't think that production's there right now. They want to grind the game down. They want to win 17 to 14. So I'm passing on those guys right now. Three wideouts I want to bring up right now. You might have this situation on your draft board. You see Mike Evans, you got Amari Cooper, and also T.Y. Hilton. Who in this situation do you go with? Is it T.Y. because of the quarterback, Andrew Luck? Yeah, and um, so he had... T.Y. Hilton had like 918 yards, I think it was, over the second half of the season. That, that yeah. coincides with Luck's shoulder, and they turned him loose to throw the ball downfield more later in the season. So you can't go wrong with him. The Mike Evans situation, he had 1,500 yards last year. And now Bruce Arians comes to town, who stresses the downfield vertical attack. Mm-hmm. And I think Winston will be throwing more than ever. I don't think you can go wrong with either Evans or Hilton. They're both going to be in excellent situations and offenses that are willing to push the ball downfield. Also, some squads that uh, they, they're kind of like running backs now. They have so many receivers you don't know which to choose from. You know, we got the Rams. They're both the L.A. teams, the Rams and Chargers with their multiple receivers. Uh, how do you see them playing out, and uh, where, where would you draft their trio of receivers? So Keenan Allen, talking about the Chargers, yeah. I believe he benefits the most from Melvin Gordon's likely half-season holdout because Gordon has missed time. A lot of the passes that were thrown to the running backs has shown that Rivers would throw those to Keenan Allen. He becomes like the de facto check down. Mm-hmm. And so Allen should get all the work he can handle. Now, another thing I learned about the Chargers last year, though, is they were at the bottom of the league in terms of pace of play, meaning they were running among the fewest plays in the league. They were leaning on their defense. They were efficient on offense. I don't think there will be enough target volume for Mike Williams, especially with Hunter Henry back at tight end this year. Allen is still going to get his because of the function he plays in the offense. I think a lot of people want this Mike Williams breakout. I just don't see the volume there for it to happen. Mm-hmm. And then with the uh, Rams situation, you got Woods, you got Brady and Cooks in there, Cooper Cup down the road as well, it sounds like. Uh, is it Cooks in that one? Yeah, so Cooks, uh, he, he, being just so dynamic. But here's the problem with Cooks. 
he still is volatile from week to week. Yes. Whereas Robert Woods was putting up roughly 70 yards minimum most weeks. And so their numbers at the end were that much different. But from a fantasy, like a week-to-week game-playing standpoint, I'd rather have for four that Robert Woods gives you, whereas too many Woods to cook. So that's to pick your poison. Mm-hmm. So um, that's why I kind of lean Woods. Even if end-of-the-year numbers are down a little bit, you know you've got bankable volume every week. The Kansas City situation. I've noticed there's not a guy in the book that's ranked. <laughs> and I, I, I understand that because I, I am with the – I, the sentiment that I think Tyreek Hill, there, there's a suspension got to be coming down the road, no matter what the NFL has said, that he's cleared of everything. I, I cannot trust drafting that guy right now. And I know you got Sammy Watkins up there too, to, uh, up high to take that spot away. I guess we can roll into the tight ends from this talk, but uh, Travis Kelsey's the number one there now, right? Well, he is, but um, I mean, until they actually like they, they let Hill go on this current charge, so I think it's kind of dropped, but you're right. If that comes back up, it's problematic. But for right now, it's status quo. They're going to run their offense from last year because nobody can really stop it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the thing. Now, the thing you're going to notice, if, if anybody in the audience has looked at average draft positions, they're going to see that Sammy Watkins is getting drafted pretty high. Yeah. But that's, going to, that's not going to happen in August. The reason his number is high is because people were expecting that Tyreek Hill, they were expecting an eight-game suspension. So people were drafting Watkins based on that. Now that the suspension didn't happen, what's going to happen is Sammy Watkins is going to go back to about the sixth or the seventh round. So he's going to go later than what Andrew draft position is showing. And Watkins, if he can keep his foot up, he'll keep it for a couple of years in that offense because he's cheap. And he'll, they started to get him the ball more, too. Yeah. Now here we are, some of those, you know, me and my friends, every time we are in the draft, we get to this late portion of the rounds and we're looking at these receivers and like, man, I don't want to draft any of these guys. But but some of those guys are the ones that help you win leagues because of their consistency. So who are these late mid round guys that uh, they're always those kind of guys. You're like, I don't want to take them, but they win leagues. Who are some of those guys in your mind? So in the middle rounds, and actually he's a player I see more as elite, but he's going a little bit closer to the middle rounds. Allen Robinson is going maybe fifth or sixth round in some leagues. And I believe now that he's fully recovered from his knee. So if we're considering the fifth or sixth round, Middle round, um, he could be a guy who can come out as a wide receiver one. I believe he has that in his range of outcomes. Corey Davis has kind of been written off. Yeah, uh, he had he had almost thousand yards last year, but his quarterback Marcus Mariota could not feel his own fingers for most of the season because of the nerve damage he had in his arm. Now that he's healthy, and I know he's a great quarterback, but I still think Corey Davis is a special player. They can line him up outside or in the slot. But the fact is, quarterback had nerve damage. People are holding it against Davis. So I think he's a great target in the middle rounds who could um, be a guy that can really boost your team up. Jim, i got to ask you about D.D. Westbrook in Jacksonville. Now that Nick Foles is the quarterback there, do you like him? I absolutely do. Nick Foles, one thing that he's done successfully besides putting Super Bowls in his career, yeah. and that's that he throws the ball to the middle of the field very well. Locks on Zach Ertz. He locked in on Nelson Aguilar a lot. Well, D.D. Westbrook is their slot receiver, and he's very explosive running out of the slot. And I think this seems like a natural connection that, that'll be there for Foles. And also with the new offensive coordinator, John Filippo, who a couple of years back was with Foles, yep. I think he's going to realize this is a, um, 
a combination that he has to work. Fantasy Football Zone. Again, Jim Coventry joining us from rotowire.com, fantasy analyst. We're going to move over to the quarterbacks now. For keeper league purposes, is it Patrick Mahomes, or do you see Baker Mayfield and Deshaun Watson maybe pushing for that number one spot? Mahomes is so darn young. They're all young. All yeah. three of those guys yeah. are so young. But Mahomes, from what we've seen, the insane arm talent makes him very hard to knock down. But here's the thing. Kelsey's 30, 30 years old, yep. so once he has the picture, and if we lose Hill some kind of long-term suspension over time, maybe we do look to a guy that isn't going to have to have this crazy system working for him. So I could see Mayfield or Watson, and Watson I like because of his leg. Now, we invite injury there, but I could definitely make a case in a keeper league for going with either of those guys because you're going to have to pay so much in terms of draft capital for Mahomes, you can get the other two a little bit later, and that's why I might consider them over Mahomes. Now, other guys say that that'll help you win a championship. Uh, Andrew Luck, you know, we're we're high on him coming off a great season, but there's always that injury risk in the back of your mind. How how confident are you taking him? Well, here's why I'm confident about him. Last year was the first time in his entire career that he had he had any type of protection from an offensive line. Yeah. And not only did he have protection, but they had one of the best lines in the league. You couple that with Frank Reich, who puts a premium on getting the ball out of the quarterback's hands quickly. And now I think we're going to see an Andrew Luck who's not taking those hits for both of those reasons, the protection and getting rid of the ball quickly. And so that is why I'm extremely confident that we have an elite quarterback for a number of years on our hands here. All right, Aaron Rodgers with the new system in uh, Green Bay and everything we heard about in the offseason, but he's got uh, Devontae Adams and he's got uh, some other wideouts, young wideouts to work with. What do you see for him? I know people might be getting excited. Oh, well, the, co- the coordinator came from the, the Rams, so they're going to be throwing it all over the place. Do you see that? It was funny because that coach, uh, Matt LaFleur, he was at an analytics conference a few months ago, and I, I kind of caught wind of what he was talking about. And he was at that conference talking about how important it is to establish the run, <laughs> uh, set the tone with the run. And I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute, that's not going to win football. Yep. That's not going to make Aaron Rodgers great. And so – if that's going to be his philosophy coming in, we're going to have the same thing with Mike McCarthy, where Rodgers is winging it, doing his own thing. And, and that leads to too many ups and downs. Exactly right. Yeah, that, that, that is kind of a quote to keep in the back of your mind if you're thinking about Rodgers. Yeah, it's the new system. But uh, LaFleur, and it did, you know, if you do look at his time in Tennessee, especially late last season, while Derrick Henry became the uh, playoff, I, I guess, MVP for some people. I know he let me down for half the season. But uh, if you look at that trend, that's that's what happened. They started running the ball more. Yes, and that's not what we want out of our quarterback. No. We want our quarterback to be thrown for half the game if we're going to use him for fantasy. And so that's the concern. If Rodgers is throwing 32, 33 passes, He's not there with the other guys that are at the top of the food chain. And and with some of these younger guys, too, uh, I'll, I'll throw the names out there. Trubisky, Lamar Jackson. Who do you like more, I guess, if it, if you're thinking about, I'm going to take a deep risk on maybe keeping one of these guys for down road here, hoping one of them, they pan out. Which one do you like more? I would keep Trubisky because I don't think a quarterback can run as frequently as Jackson is mm-hmm. running and that he's going to make it healthy through any portion of a, you know, any type of a full season. Um, he's not like one of these two, like Josh Allen, 240-pound guys. Uh, no, this is a guy that's, that's a smaller guy, and they can't run him that much. So that's why I'll take, take Trubisky. I think he's safer. But we all want that Michael Vick Monday Night Football 70-point score. 
<laughs> that's what that's what we oh all hope. <laughs> yeah, that's what we all hope for from Lamar Jackson. I mean, we all when there's any time there's a running quarterback that we always want that. Yeah, the running quarterback I think we want is Kyler Murray. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, why yeah, don't you go into fun. Kyler here? So if the premise works properly, Cliff Kingsbury comes in to coach this team and. The true air raid offense is what we call pen personnel. You put four wide receivers on the field and a running back. And it's predicated on each of those receivers running vertical routes, but then breaking them off when the defense over-adjusts and the quarterback making a quick read. Well, the thing with 10 personnel, and it's very rarely run in the NFL, but when it is run, it's shown that the quarterbacks have great running lanes and can take, you know, pick up oodles of yardage. So I think the stress that that design puts on the defense. Murray could not only have a big season throwing the ball, and I'll go into that in a second, mm-hmm. but I think the running opportunities are going to be huge. Now back to the passing, defenses are not constructed to hold up against four receivers with frequency. And when supposedly this would be offense that's run at a very fast pace, they're going to tire defenses out, and we know NFL defenses are not loaded up with tons of cornerbacks. So it's a great spot for Murray. It, that is a pretty good – now, where would you take him, though? Okay, so here's the thing. I have him ninth on my quarterback board. Okay. And somebody in most keeper leagues and even yearly leagues, is somebody is likely to take him sooner than that. Okay. And that's why I may not get him. But if he fell to that spot of ninth quarterback – yeah, I definitely would take him there, and I would be extremely happy about it. All right. Well, we touched about a little bit on the tight ends uh, with Kelsey. Uh, you know, obviously, he's probably going to be your number one tight end off the board. But uh, you know, after that, it's Kittle, Ertz. Any uh, you know any difference between the two that you like a little bit more than the other? If it came down to yeah, I'm going tight end with this pick, and Kelsey's already off the board, and I I definitely want to get one of these top three guys because after that, it could be a, a fall off. Which one would you go with? Yeah, I. Hurts down to a distant third from Kittle. I do believe that people are talking about how Kittle can't reproduce those numbers from last year. Yeah. Um, Kittle is the most athletically tight, uh, gifted tight end we may have seen to have the type of season. He has 95th percentile speed, 100th percentile agility. He is unbelievable in terms that he can't be covered. He can run after catch. And he's one of these freak spark athletes who's super strong and can run over you. So I think Kittle will see all the work he can handle. Zach Ertz, they've kind of added pieces to the offense, and I don't think they have to throw him the ball out of necessity 150 targets. Mm-hmm. So I think his targets go down. Here we go, though. After these top three guys go off the board, you do have a decent uh, second tier coming up with uh, O.J. Howard, Jared Cook, Vance McDonald, I guess, in some ways. But it's it's always that who is that guy in that second group that could maybe emerge in then next year they're in that top three. Who do you see out of these guys? Well, I totally agree with O.J. Howard. I, I, he has – he is probably just about to break out this year. It's going to be a three-year curve, and that's where he's at. And so, yeah, he's clearly the number one there. He will be an amazing player for them, especially in that vertical offense. Um, I, I love Vance McDonald this year, but for a keeper, I think he's one that when their receivers emerge a little bit, these younger guys they have, I think he could go back down to being a mid-tier guy. Mm-hmm. But the other player I like to add into this tier is Hunter Henry. I talked earlier about how I'm worried about the pace of play with the Chargers, but at the tight end position, they don't, they're not getting the 150 targets that the top end receivers are. So he needs about 80 targets. But he was so darn efficient, he just gets open so naturally that I think that 
he would be the guy that would be a fantastic tight end for a keeper in that portion of the draft. What about the guy that just caught touchdowns last year? Oh, I guess he had the yardage too. Eric Ebron, a huge bounce back year, finally did what the Lions thought he would do. He did it in Indianapolis. What do you think of him? So whenever Jack Doyle was healthy, which was rare last year, Ebron saw his snaps go to 40% of the field time. So he was mostly off the field. But when obviously when Doyle was out, then he was a full-time player and taking full advantage of that. I had, not only my concern now Doyle is healthy this year, but they've added Paris Campbell and Devin Funches at receiver. I don't think Ebron has any way to even come close to matching that number. And I don't know that he gets more than six or seven touchdowns. It should be much more in line with what we would expect from you know a player that has done what he's done to this point. So I am off of him. People overdrafting this year. There's just too many other factors. He will not be a target hog there. With the upgrades in Cleveland, does David Njoku move up your board? So this is a tough one for me because from an athletic gift, athletically gifted standpoint, he is as good as anybody. Beckham is there to command alpha targets. Landry's got to get some. They're going to run the ball with Chubb. I wonder if, because Njoku is one of these guys who is not just a great receiver, but he's big enough to block. I wonder if they keep him in more than we would like to keep Mayfield protected because Freddie Kitchens used to coach with Bruce Arians and he's a proponent of that vertical passing attack. And we understand that we got to keep our quarterback healthy in those situations. That's my only nervous point about Najoku. Love the talent. Think he's ready to break out but I could see him blocking more than we'd like. Jim, who do you have as a deep sleeper tight end this year? We all want a guy that's going to put up Gronk-type numbers, but uh, who do you see that maybe people aren't focusing on that could maybe do that? Yes, Gerald Everett would be my guy. So last year, when the Rams played the Bears, Vic Fangio completely snuffed out that offense. I knew in the Super Bowl when I did my preview that Belichick would do more of the same. And what they did was they really did put the clamps on them. I think that they're going to need to run 12 personnel getting the tight end on the field. And I so I think Gerald Everett, and he's one of these guys, he was drafted by McVay to be his, his new Jordan Reed, because that's who he had back at Washington. And I, so I think Everett fits his profile, and he, again, is this third-year guy that is ready to understand the position and the breakout. So, yeah, I think he's a great speculative pick. Um, you'll pick him so late that you can drop him if it doesn't work out. He's the guy. Again, Jim Coventry joining us, Roto-Wire fantasy analyst. And again, it is Keeper League, so again, we are always looking to draft those rookies and those guys that we can maybe control for a long time. Who do you see as some of the impact rookies that we may be able to uh, hold on and would benefit you greatly in the Keeper League? Well, a lot of people are going to tell you Josh Jacobs. And I go back and forth with the people. But with 30th percentile speed, um, 15th percentile agility, I, I don't really see him as that guy. I just don't see that happening. Um, so I'm kind of concerned. But I, I don't really, I'm not really enamored with the rookie class. Miles Sanders, I do see in Philadelphia. Now, he's potentially a guy here that we can hitch our wagon to. Um, I don't know that this year he's going to be the real deal because I think Jordan Howard's going to have to protect the quarterback. His pass protection is very good, and Sanders has to learn that. But Sanders is a plus athlete. Um, and Philly's really high on him. So I think he's a rookie that I think you want to target. And then also Darrell Henderson, who's drafted by the Rams, he's going to back up Gurley. If you're going to bet that Gurley's going to eventually fizzle out with his knee, then Henderson would be a good keeper pick. 
But the problem there is if Gurley does kind of hang around for another three, four years and you know, then, then you got a problem with Henderson that way. And for rookies on the wide receiver side, if you're thinking about keepers, I'm going to say his name now, and I know he's a lightning rod. Some people love him. Some people hate him because of the 40 numbers. But DK Metcalf in Seattle, I can tell you, I'm a big fan of the guy. What's your thoughts on him, Jim? Yeah, and, and the thing with DK Metcalf, and, and I could totally see him blowing up and being the real deal. He is basically a 99th percentile speed guy, and but he only has 57th percent agility, which is a little bit average. He, he shakes out a little more of just a classic deep threat. He doesn't seem to have that wiggle that you're going to want to use him on a lot of the slant routes um, and have the same run after the catch you get from other guys. So I think that's the one concern. And also, it's such a low-volume passing attack. They really want to run the ball. Now, if they have to abandon that, then it's a little different. If they're going to go down and throw the ball only like 450 times or so like they did last year and Baldwin's going to be the number one, that's my concern with Metcalf. What about the wideout drafted in the first round by the Patriots going to a good situation with Tom Brady as your quarterback and Keel Harry? You know, it's interesting. Harry's another, Nikhil Harry's another guy that projects more as a deep threat. But Brady's deep passing has been on the decline for a number of years. Um, he's one, you know, sometimes he'll have to get the ball to the guy more quickly. But but he isn't bombs away. And and at 42 years old, you know, if that's going to keep regressing. So I don't know that this is a fit for what the Patriots have going. He may be more of a decoy to the defenses where they have to respect the deep speed mm-hmm. and then they have the shade of safety. But I don't know how often they're going to throw the ball that way because I don't know that Brady can make those connections consistently. What about Merkeel Hardman of the Chiefs? He's getting a lot of love in comparisons to Tyree Kill and also uh, Andy Isabella out in that air raid offense with the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, so Hardman, here's the thing with Hardman. I, I think people, uh, a lot of lazy um, analysis going on where people are like, oh, well, he's, um, he's Tyreek Hill because he's super fast as well. What we don't understand about Tyreek Hill, if we don't look at his measurables, is he's got 94th percentile burst and 99th percentile agility. Well, Hardman is close in the speed department, but he is like below average in the other measurables. So he's just some fast dude. Actually, he's like 53rd percentile um, burst. And um, he is a little above average in agility, but he's nowhere in the the neighborhood of Hill. Mm -hmm. So he's a fast dude, yes. But we know there's a lot of fast dudes in the league that don't really become much of anything. So I think, yeah, there's a chance, but we can't just say he's going to be Tyreek Hill because Tyreek Hill is an outlier. There there are no Tyreek Hills out there other than Tyreek Hill, right? Exactly, yeah. yeah. It it is the one thing to have the speed, but it's the other thing to uh, catch the ball as well. Right, and again, that that, that agility, that 99th percentile agility that Hill has, that is as dangerous as the speed because the defenders know that if they try to make a jam on him and they miss him, they realize that he is going to be so far around them because of that agility and speed combination. So he is just so dangerous. He puts fear in defenders, which allows him extra opportunity to use his gifts. And Jim, give us some info on Andy Isabella of Arizona. So Isabella is above average in speed and above average in, in his burst or explosion. But the beautiful thing about him is he has 97th percentile agility, which is exactly what you want in a slot, slot receiver. So they're going to, when they run their four receivers, two of them are slot receivers. And with his size, he, he's going to have to be a slot. Well, with that dynamic agility and well above average speed, he is a perfect 
fit for the air raid offense because if he threatens vertically and the defense breaks up and he cuts his right, his agility will allow him to present a great target for Kyler Murray. So now we know a lot of these guys don't match up to their measurables, but he has all the tools, and he is a guy I would take a chance on because I think this air raid offense has a chance to work you know, two or three years until the league figures it out. And, Jim, before we finish it up, we've covered a lot of guys already, but maybe there's some we glossed over that maybe you think have got some pretty good keeper potential. Who are some of those guys on your board? Yeah, DJ Moore is one. If I can get him in a keeper league, I'd be ecstatic. Um, he's over in Carolina. Um, he, he had In the second half, they increased his snaps, and the production went right up with it. He is a star in the making. Um, he didn't put up superstar numbers in that second half as he was a rookie, but the writing is on the wall, and they really got Cam Newton getting the ball short to the intermediate areas with more accuracy than he used to. Um, and so that, that's looking very promising. Um, Chris Godwin over in Tampa Bay. Bruce Arians is going to keep him full-time in him and us with the amount of passing they want to do. Chris Godwin is a very, very gifted athlete, um, 90th percentile speed, 67th percentile agility. I'm sorry, 74th. So he's a player, again, that could just in a dynamic offense like that. He could be great for you. And those those are first. And my Christian Kirk is another guy yep. in Arizona. He was drafted last year. And before he had an injury that cost him the last six games, he was really starting to turn into something. So um, I'll give you one more over in Green Bay. Mark, uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, um, he had dynamic speed, and he's on the outside. And with all the double coverage that Adams will see, I think this is the year that Valdez-Scantling works together with Rodgers, and they figure some things out. Jim, again, thanks for breaking it down for the Keeper League drafts. I think we're all ready to go this year. Uh, thank you. It was fun, very fun to do. I wish everybody well in their Keeper League this season. Jim Coventry, fantasy analyst, rotowire.com. Again, check out his stuff all season long. As you heard there, he really breaks it down. It's not just, well, this guy's here because he got this many targets. He breaks all the numbers down and makes some fantastic points, so check it out. Again, rotowire.com. And that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the Fantasy football zone again our keeper league preview don't forget we have the other previews out there including the auction league preview and for you that draft every year you start from scratch we got that preview coming for you as well down the road remember to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast downloaded from and you'll get those episodes right when they come out follow us on twitter at draft that guy this is the fantasy football zone 